we have like a team of 30 volunteers and I'm actually the youngest, but, but I need to coordinate everyone. And my boss actually gave me a lot of space. And even if I'm the youngest and like, I did not really have any experience in like underground work with like post-disaster relief, but they believe me a lot. So that's how, you know, you feel that you have the ability to do something and it's not restricted by your age, by your experience. So actually all the time I'm like so stressful and I wanted to cry. But then, you know, like my supervisor is like providing me companion and you know, guidance. She's like, you can do it and just do it because you can do it. You know, just like some words of encouragement. So I'm able to like tell myself that, yeah, I can do it. It's, it's okay. I can do it. I feel stressful at first, but you know, like as days go by, everything went pretty well. Yeah, I think it went pretty well. <laughs> Hello everyone, my name is Din Long and welcome to the podcast Lifeline. In this podcast, I will interview people who are having a positive impact in their community and have a strong message that deserves to be shared. We will dive deeper into their journey becoming a change maker and hopefully you can take away some insights for your own journey. And please do subscribe to Lifeline on YouTube, Apple Podcasts or any platform that you are using. And also you can share this episode with your friends if you like it. It's really what helps me the most. In today's episode, you will meet Yixiang, or Ashley, who is a youth and environment advocate from Malaysia. She's passionate about building youth communities for sustainable development, and she's currently serving as a youth representative to the UN for Buddhist Sushi Foundation while coordinating their youth empowerment program in the Republic of Sierra Leone. Her story is a great example of youth empowerment, as she managed to connect with her inner power of action after a long journey volunteering, studying abroad, receiving trust and accepting responsibilities at work, setting self-discipline rules and inspiring other young people. She shares her passion for the environment, for the climate, for life sciences and most importantly for badminton and french fries. So enjoy this happy episode and see you in one hour. Cool, so hello Yixiang, welcome to Lifeline. Um, thank you for the quick crash course on how to pronounce your name just before we started. No uh, problem. You are also being called Ashley, how mm -hmm. I saw in a few events, but welcome back to that anyway. Um, no, I'm so happy to have you on Lifeline Podcast today. I always remind people who are listening how I know the guest, if I know them. And I think for us, it's a <laughs> funny story. Um, so I was actually it's funny because I also interviewed Ride, who was in the panel discussion, uh, mm -hmm. if you remember him. So basically, we were having this panel discussion of Peace Boat during, so it was during the Asia Pacific Climate Week. And I had to leave straight away after the panel because I was late for a call. So I was super far away from the room, and yeah, I think I'm not sure, but you 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 managed to chase uh, me and my colleague, and you were like, "Hey, uh, yeah, it was so cool. <laughs> You're sharing, and you know, actually, I I really enjoyed because I really thought what I said was not really inspiring or pretty bad, actually. So I think mm -hmm. it was good to have this, you know, immediate feedback on the spot 
that okay what i said maybe it was not that bad if one person told me wants to contact me after yeah so please continue to do that <laughs> to <laughs> okay. speakers and everyone you can do that as well it's good for the speakers we never know mm -hmm. if what we said is good um okay so after this long introduction uh yeah maybe i'll invite you if you want to introduce yourself who you are where you are coming from what do you do these days okay um so my name is yixiang and um usually people call me ashley for my work because it's easier to like remember and pronounce and um i'm originally from malaysia but i'm actually now uh, supposed to like based in new york Um, in an international organization called Buddhist Suci Foundation. But I've been back to Malaysia since last August because of COVID. And not sure when will I go back to New York again. Yeah. And so um, I just graduated from college in life science two years ago. And I'm now also like pursuing my master's degree in sustainable development management in Sanwei University, Malaysia. So I'm currently working and studying at the same time. Um, so for my work, I'm actually doing, uh, I'm representing my organization at the UN. And I'm also um, managing the projects, uh, the community development projects in West Africa, Sierra Leone, and mainly focus on women and youth empowerment and um, the post-disaster and post-Ebola recovery projects. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, there are so many things I want to come back on. Um, maybe the first thing, maybe just to contextualize everything, could you introduce a bit what are the mission and actions of Buddhist Chuchi Foundation? Okay, um, so the organization is actually founded on um, Buddhist principles and um, we have like eight mi main missions to accomplish, which is like charity, medicine, education and um, environmental protection and disaster relief. And the organization now is active in uh, more than 100 countries. So um, we are active like in Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, uh Africa and also uh, Mexico. Yeah. So like um, in Southeast Asia, it's actually um, very, very active because, you know, we have like a lot of um, disasters, refugees. So we are like working on that. Yeah. Okay. So, and yeah, just, I was just curious, like, so you said you, you, so with, with this organization, you do two things. You represent it at the UN. So we'll come yeah. on that. I wonder what it means also. But you also manage a project in Sierra Leone. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit, <laughs> a bit random. No? Like, did you choose uh, Sierra Or like, how did this happen? How did this happen? Actually, I was an intern in this organization before I graduate. And so after, I graduate, um, after my graduation, I stay at the organization to work. And so there's like, um, I think it's just um, an opportunity. Like um, there's a project that um, needs someone to manage it, to handle it, like a project coordinator. So I happened to like join the organization. And so my boss um, appointed me to help. Yeah, because um, actually our organization is pretty um, a Chinese-speaking community because it's like um, founded um, with a Chinese Dharma master. And also like um, 90%, I, I can say 90%, or 80% of our volunteers are all Chinese speaking. And because I'm from Malaysia, I can speak Chinese, I can speak English. 
And so it's, um, I think, so my boss seemed like she thinks that this is a good, I'm a good fit to this position to handle it. Yeah, I think that's why. <laughs> so I got opportunity to like do things over there. Okay, no, it's interesting. I didn't realize that it was 90% Chinese speaking. So Yeah, I think it's like 80 or 90. Okay. Um yeah, what I think what I like when we after, right after we met, I think so we met in Bangkok and I think a few weeks later you were in Sierra Leone, so I didn't understand. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this is what why um like just now you mentioned that um I'm representing the organization at UN and I'm also managing the like the local projects in Sierra Leone. So like representing is just mean that um when we have like meetings at the UN or some international conferences, usually my boss will send me and my colleagues to like attend the meetings to learn and to network with others. And so like for in like while I met you, I just finished the meeting and I need to like go to Sierra Leone for my another work. Yeah, so it's like continuously. So yeah, actually now it makes more sense because you said you, the, the project in Sierra Leone is about youth development, youth empowerment <laughs> as well, right? Yeah. Um, it's not what you studied or it's not, I mean, you, you were also doing youth empowerment works before? Oh, is that also big? It's the project in Sierra Leone and you are learning about that. Yeah, I'm actually like, I think I'm learning while doing because before, like um, when I was still in college, I'm not really into the youth empowerment or like um, SDG related thing. I just started when I was like interning with the organization and work. So my, I can say that my experience is still pretty, not that uh, much. Yeah. It's just like learning, still learning. Okay, cool. No, so uh, yeah, just uh, we will come back to all of that uh, before. Mm -hmm. I really want to hear about your childhood. <laughs> it sounds like a random question, but just <laughs> because you just mentioned, yeah, you 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 were not really into youth empowerment and SDGs mm -hmm. before. So I really wonder, like, really want to understand the progression because I've seen also. So yeah, you are very difficult to stalk on online. <laughs> That's not uh, but really. It's, yeah, it's difficult because. Um, but I'm pretty active. <laughs> yeah, no, I found your LinkedIn and Facebook, and I found mm -hmm. a few events, um, and I found things. But you know, like for example, the video "Use Voice for Climate Action." Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's so difficult to find. Uh, but I found it. <laughs> you need to write your. Uh, uh, Chinese name and English name and use Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because most of the stuffs are in Chinese, I think, for, for mine. Okay. Yeah, so, it's more yeah, in I, Chinese. I found what I could find. <laughs> but no, because, you know, now you, I mean, you, you look so active. I've seen you are like the WWF ambassador. You are, you did this youth voice for climate action. You represent your organization at the UN, uh, and, and from what I see on your Facebook, it's only related to SDGs. Oh, I think, yeah, I was just to name drop everything, you're also the <laughs> ambassador of Teach SDGs. So, you know, right now, it looks like SDGs is really <laughs> everything in your life. Mm -hmm. so I wonder, like, I don't know, when you were young, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. Where did you grow up? What were, did you have any childhood dreams <laughs> when you were younger? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm actually the only daughter in, but I have like two brother siblings. Um, so I think I'm pretty, I had a really happy life that I didn't know that inequality, uh, like gender inequality or social inequality actually exists. So I grew up a lot, like um, 15 years old. And something, and I just realized that there's so much um, disasters happening and inequalities happening around the world. Yeah, it's only when I was 15 years old. But before that, I like the world is ha a happy place. <laughs> yeah, and so I started to join the organization like as a volunteer, a youth volunteer. So um, I started to realize that um, uh, climate change is happening, environmental degradation is happening. Um, But then I did not really put myself into um, an angle which I think I could save the world. Yeah, so I just, I actually dreamed to become a professor at university. Yeah, and my, my, I actually majored in life science before. So I love, I used to love to like do experiments, research in the lab, you know, like doing um, clinical research or like um, gene and um something like that. Yeah. But um, when I start to, in my third year, I um, start to get an opportunity to intern in the United States. So, and my parents are always very supportive of every decision that I make. So I don't really like get, you know, like being stopped, even though like United States far away. And I actually go overseas to study myself too. So I'm like pretty, I think I'm very lucky You know, like parents are very supportive of everything that I'm doing. So I just like got into the internship program and only learned about sustainable development goals when I was, um, I think it's 21 years old, 22. Yeah, it's pretty old already that time. <laughs> and I'm 26 this year. So it's actually a very, it's still a very young journey for me. But then um, I realized that This is actually what I want to do. And I feel like my life is um, like um, to improve the, I can say like in bigger words, I, I think that saving the world is my mission to do. And that is why I live for. Yeah. So I never change my, my goal afterwards. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. No, that's cool. Um Like to come back at when you were 15, what happened at this age? Like, how did you realize that the world was not such a happy world? Or how did you realize all of this? Yeah, because when I was 15 years old, um, as the young, the youth volunteer, we actually have a lot of events like visiting the um, elder, elderly home, the nurse, nursing home. And also we do a lot of like environmental protection uh, work. And then maybe we they will give us to watch some videos about like the natural disasters that are happening around the world. You know, they will like um, provide us the information all the time. So that's how I realized that um, the world is not just what I, I've seen. So I think it's also a moment when I actually opened my, my eye for like a global globalization level thing, because before maybe I can see only what's happening at my home, at Malacca, at Malaysia, but not, the whole um, global context. Yeah, so I think that's um, a very important um, learning for, for me. And 
when you volunteered, it was with uh, Buddhist Tulchi Foundation? Yeah, because my both of my parents are also the volunteers for the organization. So they have like, you know, they love to send their children to the same organization because they have like um, uh, classes for for the young people. So I'm like, just go there and learn together. That's how I really um, get involved in the work. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I think it's nice too because you said it's funny because uh, you said yeah you you started to understand these issues late you started to get to know about SDGs late mm-hmm. but still uh, way earlier than me for example <laughs> and I think way earlier than many many people uh, you know fifteen I was not volunteering at all. Uh, I didn't know anything about social issues either. SDGs, I know SDGs in 2018. Um, so three years after the SDGs. Um, so yeah, no, I think it's still, I guess it's relative. Um, but for me, yeah, it's impressive that you started volunteering at 15. Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, also in Lifeline, I've met people who started volunteering at 10. So yeah. <laughs> always... Uh, yeah, depends on the context. But for me, yeah, no, 15, good age to start. <laughs> um, and you, because you're, you're, I mean, you're, your family is Buddhist, right? That's why you, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wonder, I'm, I, I wanted to ask this question later, but I'll just ask now. Uh, but do you, because uh, I've seen, you know, the, I, I struggle so much with the word, the name of the foundation, <laughs> the uh, Buddhist Suchi Foundation. Suchi, yeah, yeah, um, correct, correct. <laughs> now it's based on some of Buddhist. Uh, I'm very bad with Buddhism also, but with Buddhist Dharma, right? Yeah, yeah, no. Buddhist teaching, correct. <laughs> oh, Buddhist, okay, Buddhist teaching. So I wonder, like, mm-hmm. to what extent do you think it also present in your daily life? like all the Buddhist precepts? So for me, I actually always say that I'm not really very, very familiar with the Dharma teaching of Buddhism because I don't like really get get into like very, um, get into the teachings very deeply. But um, like through the organization, they actually always teach us to like um, do practically in your life. Like maybe you need to show your compassion and kindness to the others. And, you know, like Buddhists always promote like um, not not to kill any animals. So I'm actually also like a vegetarian. Like I adopted, I think three years ago for now. Yeah. So um, I'm always just trying to do the practical things instead of the, the Dharma teaching, uh, the Dharma learning side. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's how I really put the teaching into like um, practical. And I wonder, like, um, has it been, for example, when it comes to vegetarianism, to being vegetarian? Uh-huh. Uh, so you it started three years ago. Uh, well, I'm wondering, like, was it something you thought about? Like, I mean, do you think consciously about how to put the precept in practice? Or is it, you have it in mind and it's not really conscious? Mm-hmm. Until no. Yeah. 
um, I this is actually pretty interesting. I think because when I was 15 years, I actually in this Buddhist organization for like more than 10 years already. But I started to being a vegetarian only three years ago. So when I was 15, like I first joined, they always show us like the videos of animal slaughtering. Right, because you could see like the animals are so pretty. But I tried to become vegetarian because of the videos, but it did not last uh, more than three months. So then I stopped trying. And just three years ago, um, I happened to realize that uh, the issues, like I'm very interested into um, the climate change issues. So then I realized that like um, agricultural factory farming is contributing a lot of carbon emission. Um, and actually that is why um, I suddenly decided to like stop eating meat immediately. So like today, maybe I'm reading something about this and the next day I just stopped eating meat immediately and until now. Yeah. So I think it's pretty amazing because like, you know, everyone has like a different cause that would actually lead you to make a decision that will last because like, so the animal slaughtering is, um, I think it's obviously it's not my cause to eat to to not eat meat because i did not like it yeah but this time i think i found like you know the re the, the reason that i want to do this mm, no it's super interesting i for me you know when i reflect also on my climate change awareness i felt like you know i i've always i mean always heard about climate change etc so i guess the awareness was there but i never connected with the issue until three years ago, maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's really about connection because you also, you know, in your case, you were seeing all these videos at 15. Yeah. It doesn't mean you connect with the issue at 15. And yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so, no, uh, it's very interesting. I always reflect, you know, how to, like, you know, can we connect with all issues or how can we make people connect with the issues they really care about. Um, mm-hmm. no, for me, that's a, such an important topic. And I, also reflecting you know, so many issues. I, I think we're all aware of so many things, but we don't connect with so many things. And then we take action for even less things. So it's important to, to see where we connect. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, so you said you studied, so you, okay, you were volunteering through high school and then, yeah, what made you choose to study life, uh, wait, life science? Yeah, life science. Um, because I think like in high school, I'm a very bio person. I love biology a lot. And I also, like my favorite movie is Jurassic Park. That is the reason why I want to study life science because of like the gene modification thing. So I feel like it's a really fun thing to do. And um, that's why I, and I think the other reason is that I like the school that I'm going. It's actually the university founded by the organization. It's called Suji University. <laughs> yeah. And um, the school is in Taiwan. So I really like the school a lot because it's in the eastern part of Taiwan. And it's like a very, um, it's not rural, but it's not the main city of the country. So, you know, like you can get a fresh air, you can get a peaceful environment to study. And also the schools like provide a lot of opportunity for the students to like um, have like um, international internship or have like different uh, 
charity events. So I think I feel that that is why I really want to like study life science and go to the school. And the school happens to like provide the course that I wanted to study. <laughs> is that a common thing for like volunteers of Tsuchi uh, to stay so long with the organization? Um, I think most probably yes, because like most of the the organization is like fifty five years old this year, and most of the volunteers are like. Um, since the beginning or like have like 20 or 30 years of experience already. And they also like to send their children to the university or the college that the organization own. So I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty common. Yeah. So for like my parents, they are also in there for like more than 10 years. Yeah. Wow. What, what made you, Because it's interesting, you know, like the funnel, if we take business terms, but mm -hmm. you started as volunteer and I guess you had more and more responsibilities Then you studied there, then you work there now. <laughs> um, what made you stick with Tucci Foundation? Mm, for me, I think it's the opportunities that I am able to gain in the organization, you know, so like if um, I did not go to the school to study, maybe I didn't, I will not get the um, opportunity to, for the internship, then I will not be able to like have the chance to work in the United States. So it's like a series of opportunities that are really connected. So I can feel that since um, I'm young because like, since I'm very young in the organization, Yeah, I feel like um, it's a place where I can like culture my, um, how do you say, to develop, culture my karmic affinity. And, you know, like once it's mature, I can harvest the fruit, something like that. And um, also the organization actually, like my, I think my mindset and like my principle is very aligned with what the organization teaches us. So like, for example, the Buddhist principles. And um, I think that's how I feel like the sense of uh, somebodyness, you know, in the organization. And I think that's why um, I'm like willing to stay in the organization. Yeah. There's another reason. It's because like um, most of the volunteers are actually very elderly. You know, like as I say, they are very old already and they actually do not retire. Our oldest volunteers is like, 100 something years old yeah yeah it's and they they are still working on still working at the recycling stations like doing the recycling work so i'm always impressed with this kind of spirit and i feel like it's our responsibility like as a young people that is being you know like i grew up in this organization so i feel like i actually have the responsibility to reduce the burden and to inherit their responsibility Yeah, one point I, I found interesting. Is, so you said you were one of the youngest in the organization, right? Or no, 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 no. I mean, like when I was very young. Yeah, we have like okay. the youngest is like maybe baby or three to five years okay. old. They go to the recycling station as well. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's funny. I think it's a good. Uh, you know, when you have such a strong organization and the parents they. Like all the generation are there, you send your children mm -hmm. 
who will send their children, who will, <laughs> well, I'll stop there, but if you want to, I, I mean, it, it really means that the organization like really works. Cause I, can, I mean, really, you know, it's so powerful. I mean, so strong. I mean, it's impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I, oh, I wanted to ask a question. I forgot. Uh, <laughs> okay. It will come back. Um, Okay, wait, so before we, I have a random question I always ask to Malaysians. Mm-hmm. How many languages can you speak? But <laughs> um, it's, it's like the different dialects considered as a language. Yes. I can speak Chinese, English, Malay, Hokkien a little bit, Cantonese, like five maybe. Oh, I can speak a little bit of Creole, the Sierra Leone language. Oh. A little bit, yeah. So like six. Okay. <laughs> cool. No, yeah, just I'm always, yeah, I think the average language spoken by Malaysian is like four or five. Yeah, it's always like more than three. Yeah, no, it's so impressive. Um, okay, I, I got my question. Yeah, um, So, yeah, another thing that I found very interesting is, I mean, I said it, but, you know, the fact that you stay so long and people Mm -hmm. stay so long, you know, because, like, you know, our generation, I'm 27, so our generation, you know, we don't stay in one place for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Six months, one year, maybe two, and we'll move on to another, uh, two years, one, you know, uh, it's rare to find people who volunteer to stay in different levels in one organization for such a long time. Uh, so I think it needs to be highlighted. And I wonder if it's something in your life as well, you know, like I, I, whether it's a conscious or unconscious mindset, but you know, you take time to do stuff. You're not in a rush. Does it make? Is it the? Does it make sense? Um, it's not really the case. Yeah, I I understand, but um, actually, I think like because I started as a volunteer and now I'm like volunteering and also working in the organization. But um, like like what you say, like young people not going to like stay in a place for very long, and that happens to me also actually. So my my plan is not really to like um. Um, like stick into the organization, but um, like as a staff, because I think I have like, I wanted to like try out the other, like how the other organization work. So I'm actually always like planning to um, get the other job opportunities at other places. But um, I will, um, but I'm certain that I will continue like my volunteer work, work through the organization because I think it has like a very complete um, system um, of how you deliver the the assistance and to to the people you know um, that are like underprivileged, and I think I have like a pretty um, how to say like a good relationship with the organization. Like I have my feelings to it that I don't really want to remove from my life, and so like especially after my experience um, in West Africa, Sierra Leone. Yeah, it got me like, oh, I would want to like stay with this work forever, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, so so um, I think 
you know, you have like two two ex two aspects. So like one is like how do you uh, want to like like work? But I believe that um and, and one is to like um, volunteer for me. So I think like um, my plan is actually to uh maybe to go other places to you know to learn something new because you know like when you are in a same organization for too long, sometimes you will think like you are unable to like go up. A level again is like kind of stuck sometimes yeah but i think it's also good for us like you know to go out to other organizations and learn the new things which you maybe you, you are able to like come back to the organization and teach the new things to the current to the current system yeah could you share like uh yeah your experience in sierra leone uh like What do you, what do you do? Like, what is the yeah, the program that you're managing? What's your role? And and yes. and, and also not beyond beyond just the work, but you know, like your experience <laughs> there, the people, like how you feel there. Yeah, sure. Um, so in Sierra Leone, we actually do. We started with like post Ebola recovery. You know, they have like very serious Ebola outbreak on 2015. So since then, we are like um, donating. Um, food items to the people over there because they are like still um, not um, uh, getting up on their own feet after the outbreak because it really like, affects a lot. So I think the organization has been in Sierra Leone for, yeah, for five years now. And I've started on 2019. Yeah. And I've been there for twice and it's like the most amazing experience that I ever had you know because the people over there are so friendly and are so kind like even though they did not have like um, a lot of things but they are so contented yeah that is like you know when you have like a comparison you know that how lucky and how good the life you are having now That's how I really feel like. So when I come back, I feel like, oh, I should have been more appreciateful and more cherished of what I have. And also over there, um, I think it's because I like, I really like there a lot because like when I go there, we have like a team of 30 volunteers and I'm actually the youngest, but, but I need to coordinate everyone, the whole trip, like the whole volunteer trip. And my boss actually give me a lot of um, space And, uh, the, you know, like give me a lot of space, like even if I'm the youngest and like I did not really have any experience in like underground, uh, um, you know, like underground work with like post, uh, post disaster relief, something like that. But they believe me a lot. So that's how, you know, you feel that you have the ability to to do something and it's not restricted by your age, by your experience. And that's. That's how I really I feel really good, and um, you know you're also able to to learn a lot from from the young people over there because we have a lot of we work a lot we work a lot with the young volunteers over there, and they show like so great that they want to learn and they are so peaceful, so kind, and yeah, and the people are so friendly. I really like there a lot. I yeah, my my I had a goal like I wanted to stay in Sierra Leone when I got. You know, like I'm not sure when, but I think I'm going there. <laughs> yeah, more friendly than in Malaysia. More, more friend. I think maybe in different contexts. Maybe, yeah. Somehow, I think it's more friendly there. <laughs> <laughs> And 
Yeah, like I think it's a super great point to say like you know your 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 supervisor trusts you even if you're a young guest. And yeah, on this, like you know, what what do you tell yourself when you arrive there? You have to coordinate all older volunteers in a sector that you don't know. What do you tell yourself at that point? Do you say, "Oh, I cannot make it. Oh, I have to make it. Oh, I'm so happy that he he or she gives me this opportunity." Um. So actually, when like before, I'm a very strict person to myself. Like I have high standards on myself. So. Um, but at a, um, I, I know that I can do it, but at the same time, I always like have having like self-doubt. So, um, actually all the time I'm like so stressful and I wanted to cry, but then I will, you know, like my supervisor is like providing me, um, companion and, you know, guidance. She's like, you can do it and just, just do, just do it because you can do it. You know, just like some words of encouragement. So I'm able to like, um, like tell myself that, yeah, I can, I can do it. It's, it's okay. I can do it, but not that I'm very happy that, oh, I can, um, I'm able to like control these people. <laughs> yeah. But instead I feel, I feel stressful at, at first, but you know, like as days go by, everything is like went pretty well. Yeah. Cool. And no, one I thing mean, because, oh, okay. sorry. Okay. No, good, good. <laughs> and, yeah, big, um, one thing that is stressful is because these volunteers are actually very experienced in uh, like disaster relief and I'm like zero experience. So, you know, sometimes you are afraid that, oh, will these people like um, judge you, like judge your decision, like doesn't want to hear you, listen to your, um, uh, like doesn't want to listen to you, but it does not happen. So it also kind of gives me another um, encouragement, like mm, I can do it. Things will go well, yeah. And it went well, I guess. Yeah, I think it went pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, uh, for me, it's a very important point because you know, I. Okay, so like, if we speak about movers program, because it, it, it's something very important for me, for Linka and for everyone in our team. You know, it's. Mm -hmm. How do you give the? opportunity and chance for young people to you know take more responsibility and be the one who are accountable let's say you know like there's two reasons why it's not Linka and me facilitating movers workshops the first one is if we had to facilitate 200 workshops in one year we would die so we cannot yeah. <laughs> technically impossible mm -hmm. the second thing is because we want young people to be the one who, you know, step up on the spotlight and that they change the mindset from, okay, I'm a participant to, okay, I'm the one actually who can inspire other young people. And I think it's, it's an important, you know, epiphany that the sooner you get it, the better it is for the rest of, of your life. Yeah. Um, me, I got that very late. <laughs> so that's why I'm so, uh, I want people to have it as early as possible. Um, yeah, and uh, so I wanted to come back also on this very, <laughs> I love it. But you said you are very strict with yourself. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah what does, what, how would you, like, what does that mean? Um, like, I'm having, like, really high standards of myself. Like, 
I want my things to like I want if I want to do it I will make sure that I do it well like you know I I don't like like if I do it and it's like just a 50 marks 50 50 marks of the result yeah I don't I don't like it that way I I want like it's um how to say it's it has quality yeah so I'm like pretty strict to myself in terms of like I don't want me to like learn only one thing I hope that I'm capable of a lot of things like um I just like I want to make sure that I can um work at the same time and but I can still continue learning at the same time and I can still do some charity work at the same time and I can still um uh, make sure that I'm healthy at the same time yeah so I like I'm always like pushing myself beyond my limit actually but I think it's not a bad thing because you know like having a discipline life is actually helping you to to get yourself more prepared for another doors of opportunities that might have come to you afterwards. Yeah. Does it mean like you are, I mean, do you think like this? Have you always thought like this? Yeah, I think I always be like that since um, I'm in high school. Yeah. Something happened in high school? <laughs> or No, I think I just, um, I'm not sure why, but maybe my mom, because like when I was very young, my mom just told me that like, um, because um, like to be my daughter, you need to be very independent. And that's how I really like, you know, become, I have two brothers, but you know, like in Chinese, in, in Chinese um, families, like modern families, um, people will always like say that the, the, the girl is always the one that gets more love and attention, <laughs> you know, and the boys maybe like just um, simply raise them and they will still grow well, something like that. Mm-hmm. But, but in my family, it's not a case. My, I feel like my, 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 my brothers are always protected, but not me. I think this, this type of um, education and the mindset that my mom gives me actually helped me to, to become a discipline and, inter- and independent person yeah so you are always first in class ever since high school <laughs> no sometimes first sometimes second, <laughs> how, do second. You, how do you feel when you are second are you okay or does it make you angry no i would not angry because i always feel that i'm i did not perform better than the others yeah even though sometimes i like i don't really have self-confidence actually yeah. So even though I do really well, sometimes I still, I still feel that I'm not enough. That's why I work so hard, I think, because I keep feeling that I'm not enough. Yeah. Mm. And, okay. and like, uh, even if I get second, I think I deserve it because um, how much you give, it's how much you get, right? So I think maybe like if I get second, that is why, that is because I just contributed what I deserve second. Yeah. So Doing work this. harder next time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, is it because you always know that you gave the best of what you could? Yeah, I think uh, most of the time. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, I, I can see two scenarios. Like one, you arrive second, but you gave everything, so no regrets. But one, you arrive second, but you were too lazy to study then you can tell yourself, oh, I could have been the first. No, I usually, I would not, I would not tell myself like I could have been the first. I'm like, yeah, you deserve this, yo. 
<laughs> okay. Um, and I think one word that came many times in the last five minutes was discipline uh, mm -hmm. that you linked with being very strict with yourself. Does it, like, do you have special r rules for your own discipline? Like, or, I mean, how does it show in your life the fact of discipline? Um, I think I'm a very punctual person. I don't like being late or like, you know, like in most, like when I, when I came back to Malaysia this time, I'm so frustrated because like when they have, they say like, oh, we are having a meeting at 7 p.m. But it's a time when everyone started to depart from their house. <laughs> it's like so weird. So I actually get used to it when I was still in Malaysia, but um. That is my habit to be punctual. You know, I like people to be punctual as well. It's like kind of a discipline. But <laughs> so, so like, like this time come back, I can feel like, oh, I'm so frustrated of this. Yeah, but I don't want to be like everyone else. So I did not change this habit because I think it's a very good discipline. And I also like, like my work. Um, it's very organized. Like uh, make sure that um, I submitted my work before deadline. Yeah. Something like so you that. don't have you are not the type of person with like hundred tabs. <laughs> um, not true. I always have like a lot of tabs. Sometimes oh, I will close you. it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I will close it accidentally. Yeah, I, because I have a very bad habit. I'm also always like multi multitasking. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Does it fit with being disciplined, multitasking? <laughs> In terms of like, I want to get everything done. I think it's good. In terms of want to like really focus on one thing, it's not good. Yeah, I'm still trying to change this habit. I think it's because of the problem that, you know, I wanted to do everything. <laughs> it's a big issue. How do you try to fight multitasking? Because I think it's the problem of everyone. Yeah, uh, Especially the young people, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would like force myself. Like, for example, just now I have uh, like a meeting with my professor. And then like when he's speaking, I will feel like I should go to Instagram to look something on climate change or, or anything that I would like to see. Then I'm like, okay, you should not do this. You should just listen to him. <laughs> so I would like force myself, keep telling myself, you know, like not to do it. Do you use like apps or stuff like this? Like apps for me to, to Fo what? To focus. Oh, no, no, I did not use that. <laughs> Do you know a forest? Ah, yeah, 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 forest app, right? I, yeah, many friends use it. I tried it, few I even paid for the app. Oh, <laughs> is it so working? Distraught. I, when you really... When you do it, it's working, actually. Um, because I, I think it depends on the way you are multitasking. Me, mm -hmm. usually I work, and my phone, I just... For, now, for no reason, I just take my phone, and I, I and there's always notification. Or mm -hmm. I want to... Yeah, like, you know, I'm doing something <laughs> on, on, I don't know, gender, and I'm like, oh, I, I, I wanted to read this article. Yeah. <laughs> change. So I take my phone, and then I get completely lost. But you know, with forest, you take your phone, there is a tree being planted. <laughs> oh, I don't want to, to break the, the tree. So I, you just put back your phone, you feel ashamed, and you continue working on it. Oh, maybe I should try that. 
So yeah, it's one way I found. I also used to try to use a Pomodoro technique. Mm-hmm. Oh, the, is it the tomato clock thing? Yes. I, I use that for my, for my like, work as well. But it doesn't stop me to multitasking between my tabs. Oh. <laughs> and, and beyond that, do you have like, do you set rules for yourself? Or do you have like, any routine to be more set disciplined? Set rules for myself? I think, yes. Like, I'm... I, like, I'm a very environmental concerned person. So like, you know, like we have like movement control order in Malaysia now, which, you know, we cannot eat out, but you, you could take away the food. So mm. I will always make sure that I bring my own containers, my cups, my everything. So if the shop does not allow me to use it, I will not buy it. I will eat other stuff instead, no matter how, how big my craving is. Yeah, this is like one of the rules that, I give it to, to myself. Like, no matter what, I shouldn't use any plastic. Yeah, this is like one of the examples. Mm. Do you have other, other rules? Other rules? Let me think. I think not, not really. Sometimes, I don't know. I, I don't think so. Sometimes I'm pretty... I, I need to see what, what, what matter is it. You know, sometimes I can be very um, loose on myself as well. Like, maybe if I will not force myself to, to work out. If I'm lazy, I will just skip it. <laughs> so I need to, it depends on, on what thing. Yeah. Is there... No, it's interesting that you said that because uh, I guess because it means workouts is not the priority, right? But do you have things that if you plan them, it, it comes before everything else? Oh, you mean like when things go differently with my plan? Uh, no, like for example, you know, I, I'm reflecting a lot on uh, work-life balance. I mean, for a long time. And I never struggle. I mean, like fortunately, I never struggle with work-life balance. Uh, uh-huh. Because, you know, I, I have activities that happen to happen. Well, that. <laughs> that are like happening every week at the same time and for me it's activities that I will never cancel and it forces me you know for example I play badminton every Monday 7 oh. to 9pm yeah. and I know it's activities I will never ever ever cancel not go to because I care about badminton and it's not only because it's sports etc because I just want to play because I enjoy it But then, you know, it forces me, okay, to stop work on Monday at 6, go back home, take my stuff, go there. Which sounds, you know, I mean, very logic, very simple. But when you think Mm -hmm. a bit deeper about it, you know, I mean, I could even say on Monday, okay, 6, no, I still have work to do, I cancel. But for me, that's the beginning of, um, of the end, let's say. But of course, it's not the same with every activity. I know badminton, I will never cancel, but there are so many things I will say, oh yeah, no, this is not <laughs> I can feel you. I actually play badminton every week too. And that's also one of the things that I will never cancel. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Yeah, but because of like the movement restriction order now, so we, I haven't played like in a month or so, but usually I play like three to four times per week. Mostly nighttime. Yeah, so four times a week. 
Whoa. Yeah, like almost. Yeah, we are like skipping one day, or we doing like continuously every day, and each time's like two hours, and it's like the thing that I couldn't skip as well. You yeah. have a, must have a great level, no? <laughs> but I'm I'm not really good at playing, but I just enjoy it. You know, like with your friends, and you can like practice your skill <laughs> and have fun. <laughs> okay. Wow. Cool. Why four times a week is a lot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I I used to play two to two to three times a week in ba- in in badminton in Bangkok. Uh-huh. Uh Then you know in Paris it's impossible to play so zero times. There's a no week. badminton court in Paris. No, so actually, you know, in Europe, France is actually a good country for badminton because it's uh-huh. part of high school curriculum. Oh, so everyone knows a bit how to play but badminton yeah. is seen as a beach sport mm-hmm. where you don't beach move sport. and and you know you're just this <laughs> and you don't move and it's you know so people don't really consider it as a sport when you don't oh. know it uh, so that's so that's the first thing and i think the second thing is you know what i love about asia and badminton, you have there is a culture you can just show up, play one game, um, when play two hours, and come yeah. back if you want the next week. Mm-hmm. In France, the culture is more you need to join a club, pay a fee for one year to be part of the club, oh. and go there every week if possible. Yeah. But you cannot show up, you know, one month and not show up, otherwise mm-hmm. you're kicked out. You need you to need keep to it like routine, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think no. Uh, anyway, <laughs> that was a badminton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's a privilege in Asian yeah. countries. <laughs> I wanted to, yeah, no, come back a bit on climate change also because uh, we, I think we mentioned it a bit briefly, and so we spoke a lot about Suchi Foundation. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I think yeah, you said, you know, one of the key questions, uh, as I mentioned. Is how to make more people connected to climate change, and I think there are so many consequences that you just need to find the right consequence with the right person. Yeah. In your case, it's interesting. You said, um, I mean, you mentioned about greenhouse gas emissions. So yeah, I'm, I'm wondering like how how did you connect with climate change three years ago? Like what was the, like how did that happen? How did that happen? Like, yeah, um, like um, what, what do you remember the moment where you told yourself, oh, <laughs> climate change is a big thing, I can do something? Yeah, because I think we actually heard a lot about the solutions to like um, on in, at individual level that could help to combat climate change. But I think oftentimes we keep, repeating the solution like we educate on others on like how to really how to help to reduce greenhouse gases emission but but usually it's very less likely for us ourselves who raise awareness that actually do the action yeah so that's how like i don't want to be be like um i'm spreading this information i'm telling about this knowledge but i myself did not do it yeah, it's not persuasive then. So so that's how like I become like I wanted to change my lifestyle and I want to make sure that um what I advocate is what I'm doing in my life. Yeah, I think this is like one important concept 
and that's why um I can like make the decision. Okay, so it all started because but like even before that how why did why did you want people to know more about climate change? Um oh what did I? Okay. I think it's because of like you know like when you read a lot of the information you really know that the earth is really going to be uninhabitable in the next decade or so and so and also like there are like more and more disasters that are hap- that are happening and i just feel like it's i don't really actually know what is the cause that makes me think that this is so important that i just suddenly feel that this is so important <laughs> if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah i just feel like you know the environment the, the earth the mother earth is like everything that supports us so if the environment is like um break down everything is going to break down too and you know like all the disasters that are happening and all the signs that are talking about it and the facts and figures everything so i really like mm, um read them and believe them and i i actually always aware that like you know like many people will say that um your your single action will not contribute anything good because it's not enough but i will always like ignore this i will feel like um if i i've already done my part but it still happened then it's meant to be happened but at least i did not do wrong i i'm doing like I, i i at least i did my part already yeah so i never like so like when someone is trying to like um um trying to tell me that what you do is not enough it's not going to work the world will still end anyways i know that actually because you know like according to the report we always know that like systemic um transformation is far more needed than individual action something like that but i just think that we should like do what we could do yeah <laughs> is that or maybe it's totally not the case but when you i hear you speaking makes me think of the concept of karma you know like do the right thing and well actually i'm not <laughs> just make me think of karma then i will not be able to explain why but is that somehow related or not at all um i'm not too sure if because i never think of that part i never think of like karma on you know actually but maybe it's somehow indirectly or like without my consciousness consciousness is it actually linked to maybe but it it kind of makes sense <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay so you have i open the question you'll think about it and you can <laughs> okay yeah, yes it was related to karma no not at all <laughs> um, okay uh Okay yeah uh, so no I think I mean it's yeah for me yeah like you know how how to relate you know from all the climate disasters how to relate to your personal level I think it's uh, yeah the key challenge for I me mean, also for young people uh but no cool thank you for sharing uh so that that was during your college right this uh, all of this yeah okay when i was it's funny because college. um i'm going back a bit but it's funny because 
just talking you, I saw everything about climate change, WWF, and and then I I went I scrolled all your LinkedIn profile and I saw that you co-authored a research paper called Novel Ice <laughs> Gene Systematically Discovered Through an Integrated Analysis of Mouse Transcriptomes and Phenome. Yeah, and I was that like, was I didn't part of my research. <laughs> that, that was my part. That was my research. Uh, my research work during my college time, because like in my college, I actually like participated in the research thing. So like helping out my professor to do some research, and that's how we have the document on my LinkedIn. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> is your work still related to research? I, I see that you... No, <laughs> not at all. Okay. Yeah, so like yes. my... Yeah, yeah. My work in what my bachelor degree was is like totally unrelated now. Okay. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, which is... Uh, I mean, for me, it's good, right? Because you shouldn't let your college degree also determine the rest of your life. Yeah, sure. <laughs> And your master's, what are you studying now? I'm studying sustainable development management. Okay, so a bit more related. Yeah, yeah, it's more related now because I think like I'm lacking of like a professional uh, knowledge, you know, on this issue, which I really want to do for my life. So I just decided to start. I just started this January. Oh, okay. How well, how do you manage now that you have a work, a master's degree to study? Yeah, I'm <laughs> pretty tired recently. But if this is what I plan to do, and I should bear with the consequences, you know? <laughs> and I'm still doing fine because the work is on like Monday to Friday and the, the classes are on weekends. Yeah, so it's still okay. separately. Yeah, uh, so you said that you consider yourself that you don't have enough like professional knowledge on sustainable mm-hmm. development. So yeah, I'm wondering like where do you see yourself in 10, 20, 30, the end of the SDGs? Um, me, actually, I'm not so sure about it, but because I'm not sure like what can I do more but for now, my, my plan is to like educate more young people on sustainable development and on climate change and environmental degradation. So I think I will still go towards the direction, but maybe 10 to 20 years from now, like, um, I hope that I am like creating some, um, important changes in the community that I care about. Like, for example, like in Malacca now, maybe I'm trying to um, raise awareness on and uh, SDG and environmental degradation because, you know, the young people in here are not really care about this. They don't really have like much knowledge on or give many attention to it, which I really want to change. But I understand that this is a very long progress to go. So like, I hope that maybe in 10 or 20 years time, you know, we can see like everyone here is know, know all about this. And I also hope that like, um, so West Africa, the Sierra Leone is one of my um, important goals. So I, so I also hope that uh, 
maybe I could do something over there, like could really help the community there to like uh, improve their life. Yeah. Hopefully, 20 years later, I'm in Sierra Leone already. <laughs> okay. So in 10 years, all of Malacca, they know about SDGs and climate change. In 20 years, you're in Sierra Leone. Okay, good plan. Um, <laughs> okay, I just... I have to, but you should definitely join the movers program. Okay, this end of the brackets. <laughs> I will. I would. Yeah, yeah, I would tell about you about it. I will tell you about it later after this. <laughs> Perfect. Um, okay, I have one last question about your past. Then I have a lot of. I mean, I have a few more questions about the future. Um, but yeah, one question I like to ask is: So now you are twenty-six. Uh, imagine you can go back a bit in time and you can meet the Isyang of 18. So right mm -hmm. before you moved to Taiwan. Yeah. Uh, would you want to tell her anything? And if yes, what would you tell her? Mm, I will tell her that you should go to Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> um... What should I tell her? Let me think. Hmm. I never think about it before, you know, because I feel like um, from 18 years old onwards, I never feel regret of any decision that I've made. Because, you know, like if you lose something, like, um, for example, Like when I was, I should have graduated in 2018, but because of like some school system thing, I graduated on 2019. And during that time, I was really angry. But then I keep telling myself that whatever happened, there must be some reason to it. So I usually will not be like too mad or like regret about it. And it really gave me another opportunity two years later. Like for example, I study now, but They're asking that if you graduated within last two years, you are able to get a scholarship. So if during that time, I keep asking for school to let me to graduate on 2018, I will not be able to get scholarship this time. Mm. Yeah, so like I have this very strong concept. Like I always tell myself, if anything happened, it, it happens for a reason. So I never like regret since I'm 18 years old. So I'm not too sure what to, what should I tell myself? Maybe I'll tell her like, just do whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good advice. Yeah. <laughs> It, uh, it's, you know, there is somehow there is one quote that I always say in most of the episode, uh -huh. which is, Have you have you seen the video of Steve Jobs when he speaks at Stanford University? No, no, I did not. Okay, you should really this this is amazing speech. But basically, okay. he he explained about his life, uh, that how life connects backwards. I mean, you never mm -hmm. know how life will connect, but you know when you look back, actually everything is so re uh, consistent and relevant and makes sense, and the dots yes. are connected. And he explains this with the MacBook, uh, not the MacBook, but the first Mac, because oh. you know he was studying, I think in Stanford or whatever big uni, but he dropped out, but he still could go to some classes, so mm -hmm. he went to study calligraphy. But at that time, you know, he just wondered like how to design a beautiful poster, 
But then, you know, I think 10 years later, that's how he designed the Mac using his calligraphy classes. And that's why it made the Macs, you know, so beautiful, etc. But, you know, back then he didn't think about it. He was just like, I want to know how to design a beautiful poster. I'm just dropping out. I don't care. Just go to this course. It's free. <laughs> but, you know, 50 years later, he's like, this is the defining moment for, for Apple, for Mac, for my life. But you cannot, you can just know that down the road. So, yeah, I think it's uh, interesting. Me too. I, I try to live by by this, you know, so many times things mm -hmm. didn't go as, as expected. I'm so frustrated, so angry, but I'm like, it's okay. It just means that another path is open. It was yeah. <laughs> other opportunities. And any choice you take, it you will have always opportunities anyway. It just depends how you react from that that moment. Yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, so I have fi my final two questions uh, that I always end with. The first one is very deep and philosophical. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, how would you like people to remember you or to know you for? Oh, this is a hard one. How do I want people to remember me? <laughs> Mm. let me think I don't know people usually remember me because of my smile <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope that I just hope that uh, maybe someday people will um, remember me because of what I contributed to the world like it's something good not something bad and Just remember that I'm a very happy person. <laughs> yeah. I can't think of anything else. Maybe I need some time for that. Okay, yeah, it's okay. If you have other <laughs> ideas coming, uh, you can let me know. Uh, but yeah, happy person. Yeah, no, that's true. I Now that you say it... <laughs> no? Uh, I mean, that... Yeah, why are you? <laughs> no, why, why am I so happy? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just like a very, you know, like outgoing, happy-go-lucky person. But I cry a lot, actually. But you know, like the next day I wake up, I'm still the happiest person on the earth. <laughs> you cry a lot yeah. because of. I, I I like maybe sometimes I have stress or I have like frustration. I have disappointment. Yeah, I cry really easily, and there's like a lot of tears from me. But I can still be a very happy person. <laughs> It's kind of weird, but you know that's me. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, you know, it makes sense. You just said you know you don't really have big regrets since you are 18, and because you are like quite optimistic. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense with the character, right? Yeah, but I will still break down. Like after I break down, I will like cheer up myself very quickly with all those positive vibes. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Do Do you have a, a? I don't know. Are there like you like you know when you break down and you want to be happy again? Do you just tell yourself, "Yeah, it's gonna be okay," or do you do something in particular? Um. I think sometimes it depends. 
like um, after I break down, usually after I cry, everything will be fine. You know, it's like I need to let the the negative things, like my tears, to come out, and after that, the positive things will refill again. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. a process of refilling. <laughs> yeah, I, I always call that like I need to refill my positive energy, something like that. Yeah. Okay, but so okay, so it refills automatically when you defill. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I will like, uh, yeah, I will like talk to myself, cheer up myself, and maybe sometimes I get some advice from the others as well. You know, like outsiders might see, see the things clearly than myself, mm. so they will like provide very useful advices to me. So like, no comfort food, ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sometimes, sometimes fries mostly. <laughs> yeah, me too. French fries. <laughs> yeah. All the time. <laughs> I uh, go to food when I sit <laughs> down. I just order French fries, and then it's yeah. Okay. <laughs> I so understand. Course, you know, it's when you are a bit down, you order French fries, and the French fries are not good, and then I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> everything is falling apart. <laughs> so you need to make sure you get a good one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, cool. Okay. Uh, final question is: How would you describe yourself in three hashtags? Three hashtags. Oh my god, the questions are so hard. <laughs> mm, describe myself in three hashtag. Mm, Malaysian. <laughs> and another one should be environmental advocate. And the third one should be happy go lucky. Well, that's a sentence, actually. Happy go lucky environmental Malaysian <laughs> advocate. Malaysian environmental advocate. <laughs> cool. Um, actually, you're the first person who said her country in the hashtag. <laughs> really? Yeah. Usually, what people say, I can't really think of anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more, more stuff like your second and third hashtag, you know, like happy. Oh, okay. <laughs> no connector, whatever, but never, never. <laughs> Actually, it's the most obvious one. Yeah, I'm a Malaysian, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, cool, no, and yeah, no, the final, final, final question, but where can people, you know, reach out to you if they want to or connect with you or anything? Uh, yeah, that you want to share to people who want to contact you? Mm, they can find me on my Facebook or Instagram. I'm pretty active in both. And also, like, email me. So, do I need to, like, say out my email? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, uh... Uh, okay, okay. People can find it, no? How? I don't know. Is it... Oh, okay, there you So, you can, say, oh, you can send it to me and I can put it in the notes. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I think I have it already. Uh, so I put it. Okay. I'm pretty Actually, active. I tried to find you on Instagram. I couldn't find you. My Instagram is like double Y, then E-E-S-I-A-N-G. And the underscore, I think. Yeah, double Y, I think. I, I tried to find you. <laughs> I couldn't. Oh! Double. Did you find oh, me? Oh, I found you. Oh, yeah. Environmental Advocate. Oh. Yeah. But there's so many things to stalk here. <laughs> <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> I share a lot of like some casual lifestyle. 
No, because I was actually no, I was looking for. I saw that you were live for one of the International Youth Day uh, event by the UN. I uh -huh. looked for the live everywhere, and they said it was live on your Instagram. Did oh, I, I think. Instagram? Oh, I think the video did not did not like save in archives. Okay. I think. Okay, so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like interviewing someone <laughs> so it's really nothing I think okay, in so most of the videos you found I might be like only the moderator or like interviewing someone <laughs> okay. no I just found the Youth for Climate uh, Youth Voice for Climate Action and the uh -huh. podcast of uh, Buddhist Teaching Foundation oh yeah that one is like the internal sharing to the other like Like the young volunteers in the organization. Yes, and Din Long. <laughs> and oh, okay. Oh, you listen to it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I okay. The, wow. <laughs> cool. Uh, no, thank you so much. Xie Xie, Gai Sai. Wow. Merci beaucoup. Merci, merci beaucoup. No, that was such a great episode. So happy to connect back with you. And yeah, everyone, send her email just to say how awesome <laughs> she is and happy she is. And yeah, no, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Congrats for listening until the end of this episode. Of course, to best support Lifeline, you can share this episode to two of your friends and subscribe to the next episodes on any platform. See you next time.